Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. It's Tuesday, November 22nd, 2022. If all we had to live on was the news, a faithful Christian life would be really hard, probably even impossible. If all we had to inform our faith is what's going on in the world, uh, things would be really difficult because uh, most of the news that we see in the world is not good news. It's not encouraging uh, so much of what we see happening in this world. But thankfully, God has given us good words, godly words for hard times and dark days. And we're going to see two different examples of that today as we read God's word. And the first is going to be more of a prophetic example through Ezekiel. So we're starting a new book of the Bible today, and it's good for us to to lay the groundwork here uh, for Ezekiel so you can understand what we're getting into and uh, see how it connects with where we have been. Now, we've been doing more of a chronological reading this year through the Old Testament and then also at the same time through the New Testament. And so we've seen the fall of Jerusalem. Now, like we've said, it's it's hard to do an exact chronological reading reading because we don't know the exact timing of everything. So some of it gets more general. And also, if we tried to be too exact, it would be, if you feel like this reading plan is a little more choppy, it would be uh, very, very choppy. And so as we come to Ezekiel, we are going back in time just a little bit, at least at the beginning, because the prophet Ezekiel, he is already in Babylon. Uh, he is prophesying in exile. And he is prophesying before the fall of Jerusalem. So we've seen the fall of Jerusalem now with Jeremiah, but now we're going to go to Ezekiel, who will start his prophecy before, but but continue his prophecy after um, the fall of Jerusalem. And now remember, the fall of Jerusalem happens in 586 BC. That's when the temple is destroyed. But the exile actually begins before that. There's kind of waves of the exile. This isn't the first time Nebuchadnezzar has come to Jerusalem. And so he has taken prisoners with him. And so there's already some living in exile. And God is going to call Ezekiel to be a prophet to them. But we see really the call of Ezekiel in these first few chapters, and it starts with a vision. Now, this vision in chapter one of Ezekiel, you should compare in your mind to Isaiah chapter six or even Revelation chapter one. Ezekiel sees this amazing um, vision, and the first part may be confusing because you're asking yourself, there's these creatures, and they have these four faces. What's going on with that? And I don't think we, we fully know everything that's implied by that. You see these wheels within wheels going straight whichever direction they go. Uh, what's going on with all this? Well, it seems like a lot of that really is a foundation. These wheels, these creatures, they are part of the foundation because above this, there is is a throne. Um, And that's what we start to see at the end. And there's someone uh, upon the throne with a human appearance. And it's clear this is no mere human. This is the Lord. 
And even at the end of the chapter, it it makes that clear. Such was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord, Yahweh. Uh, And he falls on his face. So again, notice the the connections, the parallels with Isaiah, with uh, Revelation 1 and the Apostle John. Uh, we, We see this vision of the glory of God and he falls on his face. But now God starts to speak to him as to what he wants him to do. And it's clear he is being called into prophetic ministry uh, to prophesy to the people of Israel. And we get into even the third chapter, and he's described as a watchman. He's described as a watchman um, and basically saying, you have the responsibility to sound the watch. And if you see danger coming and you sound the watch, you sound the alarm uh, and no one listens, well, that's not on you. That's on them. But if you see danger coming and you don't say anything, well, that's on you. And I think there are some parallels to us. Even that's a good principle for us. Hey, if we're not sharing the gospel, that's on us. If we share the gospel and they don't respond, that that's on them. Uh, so that's, I think, applicable to us. But you see the stage being set here in chapters 1, 2, and 3 for his prophetic ministry. God is calling him into ministry uh, and, and making him a watchman. And then you start to see a little more of the specifics of his ministry in chapter 4, and where he is called to take action by laying on his side and kind of making this model of the city of Jerusalem. And then eventually uh, he's supposed to bake uh, what he is eating uh, on human dung. And he says, wait, no, I can't defile myself. I've never done that. And so God says, okay, you can use uh, cow's dung instead. But all of this is meant to symbolize the destruction that is coming on Jerusalem. Again, one helpful thing to understanding that is Jerusalem has not been destroyed yet, but he is going to be teaching the people who are already in exile that, yes, this destruction is coming. So here we we see uh, tough times, people in exile, but we see God's word coming through the prophet Ezekiel. And now let's go to the New Testament where we're going to look at 2 Timothy 3. And here again, we see hard times, but we see God's good word. And maybe this is a little more relatable because uh, Ezekiel, even though like we saw, there are definitely some things we can draw from his example. Um, we also have to admit, well, God is not speaking to me. I'm not seeing this vision like Ezekiel did. I am not a prophet like Ezekiel. Well, we should be able to relate to much of what is said here in 2 Timothy. And it starts by saying that in the last days, there will come times of difficulty. And then you'll read this long list in the next several verses of things that seem to be increasingly true of our society. Yikes. Uh, That is not an encouraging thing to read. And one thing to to help sum up this list, notice the times that it uses love or loving. And you'll see that the biggest problem from which a lot of these other things flow is our society has very misplaced loves. People are lovers of self, lovers of money. And to verse three, they are not loving good. And then in verse four, they are lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And I think that should just even be instructive on how important our affections are. We 
What we do good or we do bad really on the level of our affections. What do we love? That's why even going through the Bible, we want to inform not just our minds, but we want to inform our affections because we don't want to be lovers of money or lovers of self or lovers of pleasure. We want to love God and love what is good. Uh, right, But that's the problem with the world. Their affections are out of whack. And that's going to lead to problems, even persecutions that we see. But Paul is exhorting Timothy, no, you follow my example. And you follow what you have learned and firmly believed since you were young. Because his mom and his grandmother, uh, they had taught him the scriptures. And many of you, if you've grown up around church or you've been taught by your parents or grandparents, grandparents, the word of God. No, as the world gets worse, we need to hold on to God's word. And then it ends with this majestic statement about the scriptures in verses 16 and 17. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. In the midst of a wicked world that is getting worse, we must hold on to the scriptures. We must make those our guide. Uh, And so a couple things I want to encourage you to do today is one, make sure you are looking to the scriptures as your guide. We need to be very careful. We have been taught by our society, and unfortunately, many within the church have bought into this, that our human problems in our modern world are too advanced for the Bible to speak to. And some of our problems are just too complicated to really look to the Bible. And I think that thinking is flawed and faulty. Again, the Bible does not tell us everything about everything. It doesn't ever claim that, but it does claim to tell us everything we need to live a godly life. So uh, don't give in to the cultural mindset. And so as you encounter problems in life, run to the scriptures with those problems. And some of your problems, uh, the scripture may not have all the answers to, but it will, it will have something to say to you. For instance, even if you have a serious medical problem, I would encourage you run to the scriptures. Again, that that may if it's a medical problem, that that shouldn't be the only thing that you do. There there should be things you do to address that. But even in that, the scripture is going to have important things to say for your soul to understand and to uphold and strengthen your soul in the midst of a physical ailment. So run to the scriptures with your problems. And then the other thing I want you to do is to practice the sufficiency of scripture on a daily basis. Read the Bible and see every day, oh, it's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and and training in righteousness. Every day, read the Bible and understand God is training you. He's got something to say to you. And one of the reasons I think we miss that is we fail to meditate. And by 
by that, we we, uh, we fail to think about what we learn. Even the Puritans would often talk about meditation as this halfway house between the word and prayer, uh, where many times it's just, okay, Bible reading, check. Okay, now let's get on to my prayer list, check. Okay, now let's get on with my day and the rest of my checklist, where I would encourage you, take time to read the Bible and then stop, think about how what you just read applies to your life and what you've learned about God, what difference that should make or or the commands or encouragements or warnings that you've read. What difference should that make? That's even really what we're just trying to do on this podcast. Hopefully you have read or are about to read God's word in this podcast. Hopefully it's just a meditation on it, trying to reflect on what it says and what it means for us. So yes, the news is not encouraging. We live in dark days. But I hope from the example of Ezekiel and the examples here of Paul and Timothy, you are encouraged to hold on tighter to God's word, to look to it, to apply it, to use it, and to trust that in God's word, you will find everything you need to be equipped and ready for every good work of godliness that God calls you to. Thanks for digging into God's Word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out RevivalFromTheBible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to CompassBible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.